0: Thursday night, and we are getting you geared up with some Bengals talk before Thursday night football. And of course, getting you going into the weekend as the Bengals get set to take on a team that they don't see very often in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And sometimes that is a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing, depending on uh, a lot of different things. There is a lot of talking points between these two teams this weekend, though, because there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of high-profile names, particularly on the offensive side of the ball for both teams, and both teams are fighting for a potential division lead, even though one of them has a losing record. But we'll talk about it all, and we've had a hell of a busy week, John Sheeran, and it's been a lot of fun. We had our show, The Aftermath, on Monday. We surprised folks with a fun interview, courtesy of Old Spice and Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, with Bengals wide receiver T. T. Higgins. You were there in person, my friend. That was a lot of fun. And now we get to talk about this game coming up here. How are you, John? I've been babbling on for a minute and a half on this intro. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm riding a high, man. It's not every day that even for guys like us in our position to get to interview a star Bengal in person. So that was an awesome experience Tuesday. My favorite part, honestly, though, because... It was like in the second story of Withrow High School. When, if you're unfamiliar with the area, it's a pretty big high school. I think it's officially called Withrow University High School because it's like a it's a pretty big um, like school and facility in general. So we were on like the second story, and I just sh- shook T's hand, like you know, told him good luck with the rest of the season and everything, and I exited the room. And there is legit like 50, 80 kids like outside of the room waiting to come in. And then, as soon as I exited the room, someone inside said, "All right, uh, you guys can come on in. You can meet T and get autographs, or whatever." And I was holding the door, like about to leave, and the kids just all funneled in. And I was just holding the door for literally dozens of kids, like all with smiles on their faces, wanting to meet T Higgins. And it made me think, man, like if I'm in, if I was like in high school and one of my favorite players was in my school and I got to meet him, it would have completely made my years. So I, it was awesome that those kids got to have those moments of tea spoke with all of them earlier in the afternoon but it was a great day for all those kids for sure
0: yeah uh, very cool and very cool for us hopefully cool for our listeners as well hopefully you all enjoy that we got a YouTube member in the house Michaela Garfield saying who day Michaela we do have stuff coming to you I promise I I, I know you won that trivia and of course we've got a little something extra for you being a member of the YouTube channel as well. We want to honor that. So uh, I, we're, we're sorry for the delay, but it's coming to you. I promise. I promise. I promise. Same with the rest of you who won some trivia stuff. And we'll be doing more of that uh, down the road too. But uh, thanks again for your specific support, Michaela. We appreciate you and all of the listeners here, whether that's on the YouTube channel or on the audio side of things iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of them. We appreciate you. Now, here we go right now. Uh, we did not ask T. Higgins this question from Mr. Whisper in the the YouTube chat here, giving us another donation. We are going to start wrapping up these donations and put them in a nice digital box, a gift to the Pollock Found- Family Foundation here. Thank you all for all of your support, and Mr. Whisper especially, you seem to be a, a, a every show given a nice uh, donation there and that'll help out the Pollock family foundation. So we're going to give them a nice gift right before the holidays here, but appreciate that. We did not ask um, uh, specifically. We did not ask about T Higgins injury and what's going on there, but we are going to get to the injury report, the hamstring. Those are always tricky, John. And uh, we, I guess that's as good a place as any right now to kind of kick things off is the injury report. Who's who's looking in, who's looking out, all that kind of stuff uh, to help answer Mr. Wh- Mr. Whisper's question here and uh, obviously give everybody an idea of what's going on.
1: Yeah, so a handful of injuries that the Bengals are dealing with right now and a handful of guys who haven't practiced at all this week, most notably is Trey Hendrickson and Mike Hilton. Now Hendrickson apparently broke his wrist in the middle of the Browns game, apparently played through the fourth quarter with it, Zach Taylor didn't specify that it was specifically a broken wrist. He just clarified it as a wrist in- issue, but it has kept him out of practice practice for two days, and that's a good sign, as any, to indicate that he won't play on Sunday. And the same kind of goes for Mike Hilton. And remember, like it looked like Hilton had suffered a pretty serious injury on the field, but he ended up coming back and playing basically the entire game with it, but he hasn't practiced either with any injury. So in came Jalen Davis for him for a couple snaps, Jalen Davis being the backup slot cornerback. But Davis didn't have to play the entire game because Hill came back in. But Hill, or excuse me, Davis is now dealing with an injury of his own, and he hasn't practiced at all with a thumb. He's been in like a sling, I believe, so he hasn't practiced. So where does that lead to? But if not, the first round pick for the Bengals this year in Dax Hill. Now, remember, Hill was a slot cornerback mainly at his time in Michigan, and he's mainly just been uh, like a backup free safety, a first defensive back. Off the bench, if you will, for this team this year, Anthony, and now it seems like he is going to get a shot at being like a starter in a role that he was very comfortable with in Michigan.
0: He now, as I went back and um, I actually rewatched some of the Tennessee game, I believe it was that one where he was sent in on a blitz, uh, specifically from from the defensive backfield and whatnot. Um, so they're going to probably ask a bit of a, a lot of different things from him one of those games where one of these young guys are going to need to kind of grow up quickly. We've had Cam Taylor Britt, uh, great friend of the show, Cam Taylor Britt, mm-hmm. uh, grow up quickly as well because of the injury to Chidobe Awuzie. We do have the clip of um, the 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 soundbite here of uh, Dax. I think he was talking about playing in the slot, Correct. Yes,
1: this is this is okay. him as uh, being asked about returning to that position.
0: You call it, you call it slot your old stomping grounds? Is that? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I know that. I mean, I mean, is it is it like that? Is it like you know the ride a bike thing? Is it that easy to just kind of uh, like I've done this yeah.
1: before? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, no, just because the level of the competition is, is so high, and so you really just have to be very detailed in everything you do. And That's what I really want to do this year, or you know, playing the it. Really just wanna, you know, fine tune like I said earlier and then uh you know, just making sure that I'm in the right spots. So What's your uh I don't know, what's it gonna be like going against Brady? What's preparing for a Brady? Today. Oh yeah, I mean I feel like this week really just been a you know a good good start just because of, you know, watching film and you know really just getting a, a grasp of what he does I and mean, he does it really well, you know, one of the best to ever do it so um, really just picking up on his, his details and um, his ways on how he finds the defense and finds different coverages, so I really just want to, you know, study his game you know, as well as the people I'll be going against. That was interesting music choice in the background of the locker room there, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Th- this is Tom Brady, Anthony, and he typically finds weaknesses in defenses, and I don't know if we want to classify Dax Hill as a weakness, he's a really good player coming out of Michigan, but this will probably be his first start, granted, at a position that he's, that he's got experience with. But if there's any point in the Bengals' defense where Brady's like, hey, let's test this guy out, it's
0: probably going to be Dax in the slot, no? I, I mean, inexperience can be a weakness. I mean, that's just the bottom line with it, really. I mean, it's not it's not really an indictment of the player per se. It's more just lack of playing time and you know being a rookie it just kind of comes with the territory a little bit there and we know Brady if he sees some sort of leak in the dam or I guess a scab to pick or whatever weird metaphor you want to use he's going to find a a spot and he's going to keep digging at it right I mean that's just what if he perceives a weakness there if he perceives you know uh, openings for his offense to make plays there he's going to keep going there That's what he's made his career on. Um, And so guys like Cam Taylor-Britt and Dax Hill, your top two picks this year, who weren't getting a lot of playing time early now, you're going to have to heavily rely on them on this one as they go up against the GOAT here. So that, uh, that provides definitely an interesting situation for the Bengals here and I'll rebring it. Thank you for queuing up that video, John. Um, I'm going to rebring up the injury report as we kind of continue talking about this here. Uh, I think I pinned the link in the live chat. I did. Um, So you can, you can check that out on Cincy jungle, but I mean, the list is extensive. Um, You know, I mean, obviously you've got Lael Collins who did not practice Wednesday, went full Thursday, so he should be fine, but He last week kind of had the uh, didn't he exit the game last week with what I think it was an an ankle situation or whatnot, Um, and so you know that he's kind of been nicked up throughout the year as well. Although the offensive line is playing a lot better, you mentioned Hendrickson, you mentioned Hilton. Um, I don't know if you mentioned Hurst, but he is all he has also not practiced this week, so not looking like he is going to be in the the game there. Reader got the rest on Wednesday, but went full. Um and then, of course, we've got who Mr. Whisper asked about. Um, we've got Tyler Boyd. we've got another article We'll share with you on, on that in just a second. But uh, if you were to guess about Higgins here, he went limited both days, as did Boyd. I mean, obviously the Bengals last week, you know, when that when they have when they have all three of those guys, obviously it's lethal. Uh, when they have two of the big three, depending on which two you're talking about, um, they are still highly effective. When you have one, um, I, I love what the Trent's bring, but there is a noticeable difference without Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins or Jamar Chase and T. Higgins or whomever. Um, you know, when there's two of the big three not on the field, there is a noticeable difference. There's no doubt about it. Uh, as you sit here today and you want to put on your, your genie hat and uh, look into the crystal ball, I mean, what, do you, what are you thinking about these wide receivers with the issues they're dealing with here? So it does sound like that
1: Boyd is going to try to play, and I don't think it's going to be a situation where the coaches are like, "eh, I don't really know about this." It's it's not it's not like they're going to test out like Boyd's finger. I think in the beginning of the game and say, "Yeah, we're shutting you down." Like if he is practicing with it, he's got the tape over the finger, and he's doing all these things to make sure that he's ready to play. I would bet on Tyler Boyd playing, and I feel like that. Is a kind of a surprise based off of what we heard about the injury right after the game and whatnot. We thought that he could put he could potentially miss a week or two. But this is a guy that, you know, embodies toughness at that position. There was that famous moment against the Dolphins a few years ago where he's literally limping off the field so the Bengals don't yeah, take a timeout and crawling game. like yeah, like he's he's played hurt before and this is definitely one of the more unique injuries that a receiver can injure and it's going to impact him and it's probably impacting him right now in practice but the more he practices with it i think the better off he'll, he will be on sunday with higgins it does seem like it's 50 50 like he's not a full participant in practice just like boyd is yet and i don't know if that's going to change tomorrow on friday i'm sure uh, we'll get the answer to that um after this recording tomorrow but it does seem like he's going to be a game time decision and it's going to be the same process like this past week they're going to test yep. him in the pre ups see see yep. where he is And it could be a situation again where he's active and he either doesn't play or plays a very limited role. It's been twice now this year where he's been a starter and has barely played like one or no snaps throughout the game. And that could be another situation here.
0: There's there's been a couple of games like that throughout his entire career, too. Um, You know, I remember I go back to his rookie year, the second Ravens game where he was trying to get to 1,000 yards. He ended up getting hurt early in that one. And then uh he was in and out of week one uh, of twenty twenty one so there's been a couple of situations with Higgins where he's had these um injuries that you know he's out there and he's he's been playing either he gets injured in game or he's been dealing with something and it's just prevented him uh that particular week and obviously hamstring injuries are pretty tricky uh and you don't want to keep retweaking it retweaking it because then it just never gets better so uh definitely some careful uh careful paths to, to traverse there for the Bengals and, and for T Higgins. And then you see Laurel uh, F- failure here who covers the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, if you are listening to this after the fact, or if you are watching it after the, after, after the fact, maybe you want to close your eyes or plug your ears or both. Um, if you get kind of grossed out by this stuff, but uh, the quote was it's going to hurt, but I'll make it work. Um, he said the bone actually came through his skin, John, Ugh. Uh, wanted to get back in the game because Higgins was out and he felt the team needed him, but the other wide receivers had it covered. The bone went through the skin. Ugh. Uh, that is just kind of nauseating, but uh, a lot of detail there for Tyler Boyd and obviously a lot of pain Almost there. Almost too
1: much detail, I would say. Yeah,
0: that's that's a little much. That was a little much. Uh, I, I hadn't seen that article yet about... Um, about exactly what was said there. So I, I queued that up, and I kind of was surprising myself a little bit, and I was like, Ooh, I read that, and I was, oh boy. But regardless, the Bengals are a little bit hobbled going into this one, and then we'll just take a quick look back again at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They don't have as many names on there, uh, and um, you know they're this this is a very difficult team to figure out. I, they're six and seven at the moment um yet still lead that terrible NFC South and they've just got you know it just seems to be an underachieving situation obviously the, you know you, you talk about the coaches not having Gronk all these kinds of things um so here's here's kind of the the, the big the big ease here Jernard Avery is a guy to watch especially since did a he did a backtrack um Went limited Wednesday and then did not practice Thursday. Yeah, Jamel Dean, um, he did not practice all week. And then of course Julio has not. Julio Jones has not practiced all week. And then uh, Carl Nassib, a guy who can get after the passer a little bit, um, he has not practiced. Joe Tryon, another edge player, um, he has been limited this week. And then Vita Vea, their big uh, defensive tackle, run stopper. This uh, does not bode well for them, but but potentially could work out very well in the Bengals' favor. Um, he has not practiced with a calf issue this, uh, this week either. Vita Vea, big key to what they do defensively.
1: Yeah, Vea and Dean, I believe, got injured in their last game against the 49ers. Vea missed most of that game. I think Dean missed about half, and those are two of their best, if not their best, players on defense in general. So that's – like you, you can't really hide – that loss necessarily. Now the the Bucks have depth at defensive tackle. They still have Akeem Hicks, who plays normally next to Vea. Logan Hall is the guy they drafted this year. He was a guy that was popular amongst uh, Bengal draft Twitter circles. Um, he hasn't really been that great though as a mm-hmm. pass rusher. And then uh, D- D- Deidrean Senate, who used to play for the Falcons. He's now I, I guess their main backup along with Raheem N- Nunez Roaches. So they have guys up the middle, but none that can really impact the game like Vita Vea. Like the, he's basically their DJ rear, and they play very similar ways they're both freak athletes who can get after the passer despite being 350 pounds and it really changes the dynamic of that interior defense line also you got to remember like Joe Tryon um like he's been okay I think he's been a little bit underwhelming as a second year pass rusher but they've been playing without Shaq Barrett we all know about Shaq Barrett and is almost signing with the Bengals a few years ago but he's Barrett's been out since week nine and they have They've been having issues kind of replacing that production off the edge. Nassad not playing would be pretty key, too, because he's been productive in a limited role. So there, there are just a lot of injuries on this defense right now. I guess the good news for them is that both Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield, both safeties, they appear to be on the track, on the right track of coming back. So it's still mainly a mostly healthy secondary, despite the, the lack of Jamel Dean out there.
0: And then the last name on the list, John, Tristan Werfs the offensive tackle, um, not totally, uh, you you did not practice and then went limited. Um, so that's definitely a guy to, to keep an eye on here. It, uh, you know, it, you, you had wrote in our show notes here that Werfs will be out. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a big loss for them as well, but, you know, again, the Bengals are dealing with a lot of personnel issues in terms of injuries, Hendrickson and others um, uh, on defense that, that could be, uh, you know, could kind of negate even that loss.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that Worf's actually practiced it. I read somewhere that he didn't, which is why I kind of assumed he was going to miss the game. He's missed, I think, the past couple, and it looked like a very serious ankle injury, and obviously missing multiple games indicates that it's it's not great, but it looked like a season-ending type injury, or and... All of a sudden, he's maybe only going to miss three games at most, and that's important for them if since they're still in the playoff race. So he's a freak athlete. Some of these guys just happen to heal faster than others, even if he's 320 pounds. So I guess he did some light work today on Thursday. We'll see where he is on Friday. And obviously, if he plays on Sunday, their backup, Josh Wells, he's been okay kind of filling in, Anthony. But this Bucks offensive line looks completely different compared to the one that led the Bucks to a Super Bowl a couple years ago, even compared to last year. Like, think back to the offseason. You had Ali Marpet. Retire out of nowhere. Alex Kappa obviously left for the Bengals. Ryan Jensen got injured in the preseason, and now Werfs he's been out. So it's four new starters compared to last year, and it's been mostly and, not, and by by yeah, yeah, right. not by choice. Yeah, yeah,
0: not by choice. Yeah, like as opposed to the Bengals, exactly. So that's kind of where we're where we are with the injuries. A lot of big names on both both sides here. So we'll have to see who who suits up. And again, with Higgins, I think we both agree that that may be a game time type of decision, unless there's either great improvement or a backslide, you know, tomorrow, that sort of thing. Um, obviously, John, you know, kind of, to kind of transition a little bit, the big, big talking point, that, and I don't know how much we want to go into this, but the big talking point with this game is, you know, the passing of the torch, right? The passing of the power torch, so to speak, from the GOAT Tom Brady to an ascending elite player like Joe Burrow, Obviously, there's some similarities in the play. There's been some comparisons and all of that. Joe kind of squashed that stuff this week, and I think that was kind of the right move on his part. um, You know, to to not even go there, and also said, you know, I do some things well, and I, you know, he he does a lot of things well, and just kind of let the let the compliment, so to speak, or the the topic roll off here. But I mean, that's really what this. Uh, you know, we could talk about the Bengals defense playing so well and the, the wide receivers for the Bengals and the weapons on on Tampa Bay and whatnot. But I mean, really, that's going to be the the big storyline of this one. It's it's the two quarterbacks. It's the potential of, you know, Burroughs already taken care of Mahomes a few times over the last couple of years, took care of uh, the bad guys, the Titans and, and many others along the way. And so now this is kind of the next roadblock, so to speak, whether it's metaphorical or even truthful depending on how Tampa Bay finishes out the rest of this season and postseason,
1: He's a smart dude. I feel like he had to have known that these questions were going to come. And despite the outfits, despite all the things that you see on social media, I feel like if you don't listen to burrow on a weekly basis, like, like we do, you may be surprised that he wasn't like, Oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm the next Brady or like, you know, he, he's not as good as me. Like, I feel like there, there's a perception out there that burrow has this, this confidence that is actually arrogance and that couldn't be further from the truth. Like, it doesn't surprise me at all that he kind of squashed all, all that stuff. That's just pretty par for the course for him. When it comes to, I guess, all the narratives kind of build up here, like, I, I still remember, like, seeing so much, like, Brady comps to him in the pre-draft process. And it was, I was taken back by it because, like, we had seen the occasional, like, yeah, he kind of plays like Brady, but they were legit, like, no, this dude carries himself. He plays to a T. Like him mechanically, we never really saw that at at this type of scale, especially for a number one overall pick who had just won the Heisman. And it's all kind of been, I mean, we talked we've talked about this leading up to this game for this entire season, ever since the schedule got announced, ever since we knew that the Bengals were going to play the NFC South this year. And I don't know if if the whole like glamour of the matchup is diminished just because the Bucks aren't as good as we thought they would be. But it is interesting that if Burrow and the Bengals win this one, it would be the only the second time in Brady's career that he finished with less than 10 wins. And this is the first year that Brady has not really been played, not really played with Rob Gronkowski in the first time in a decade. And that offense looks a lot different compared to offenses of the past with, with Tom. Like, it's, it's so weird watching that offense now. It's just a ton of screens and passes to the flats with occasional deep shots in between. And, like, it, it just doesn't look like the same tom brady even though he does make a couple of good like you know big time throws here and there so it is it is interesting seeing this matchup now at the legitimate twilight of brady's career another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next
0: and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals So when you look at the the Buccaneers this year, uh, I mean, there's a couple things that, that stand out on their um, uh, on their record and, and kind of how the season has gone for them. Um, I'm seeing right now they did have one two game losing streak, and that was uh, back in weeks three and four. They lost to the Packers. 14 to 12 and then the chiefs 41 to 31 uh, and then got back, got back on track against the Falcons uh, lost to the Steelers and then lost to the Panthers. So, you know, when I think of, of Brady, here's one, here's one thing that I find kind of interesting about how their season has gone. When I think about Brady, it's, you know, he, he's lost games obviously as a pro um, but usually when he loses a game, that's not a consecutive type of thing. This year, for a myriad of reasons, has been way different in that regard. He has, you know, there's been a couple of two-game losing streaks, and that's just not really what's characterized Brady's career over, over this this stretch of, you know, greatness that we've seen from him. So that's that's something that kind of stuck out with me. And then, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on that, but I also want to get your thoughts on his perceived slight of the Cincinnati defense in a podcast here. I tend to think it was, it's kind of an overblown thing. Um, sometimes you just say a word and people just cling to one word, especially when you're Tom Brady and they take it and run with it. I don't think there was actually maybe too much of a slight there, but I, I don't know what you think about that and the losing streak thing that I mentioned.
1: I mean, this is how I know that. I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for you. This is how I know I don't really have that dog in me because I see that quote and I'm just like, eh, it's whatever. Like he complimented bas- like, he, Everything. Was basically, he basically 100 percent compliment about right. the Bengals, but he said f- just because he said fairly tough defense or whatever the exact quote was is like, oh, it's bullets important material. Fairly is going to be written across the Bengals locker room all throughout, you know, this week and whatnot. Like, I, I'm I just don't see it to be that big of a deal, but I'm not. An NFL player, I'm not a competitor like that, so I probably can't relate. If that's what it takes to just give you that one ounce of extra motivation, then so be it. Like that's what people always talk about, Tom. Like he's the ultimate competitor. He will take anything and everything and manifest it into that extra umph and extra ounce of just competitive spirit that he needs to, to beat you. And that's what he's done for as long as I've been alive. So uh, who am I to to go against it? And I'm sure Burrow is kind of. He's kind of wired the same way. I don't think it's like a direct one to one comparison and whatnot, but I'm sure there are a lot of similarities there. And 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 just with this year, man, like, um, like them losing to Carolina in the middle of the season, I feel like that was like the first tipping point. Like this is probably not good, and it just came off. It just came after they lost by two to the Pittsburgh Steelers and one of one of Kenny Pickett's first starts. It might have actually been Kenny Pickett's first win as a starter, but that seemed to be like the beginning of the downfall of the season for Tampa Bay and that was before a lot of those injuries kind of came up I also have a stat the Tom Brady stat for this year that is really interesting to me because PFF has Tom Brady with 20 big time throws and zero turnover worthy throws on 58 passes of 20 yards or more he's the second highest graded quarterback on those passes so Brady's arm falling off whatever like I don't think it's entirely true. He's still pushing the ball down the field from time to time and he's still doing it, doing it with accuracy. But his passer rating is just 77.7 on those throws. And it's by far the lowest out of any of the top seven deep ball quarterbacks, including the likes of Burrow and Josh Allen and Tua Tongavailoa. So he's pushing the ball down the field, but the production is just not there. I don't know if it's timing, miscommunication with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and whatnot, or those guys are just not getting open. But this offense is trying to make those big plays work, and I don't think Brady has necessarily been the primary factor of it just completely not working. Regardless of what it is, though, he's still by far like dead last in the last seven weeks in yards per attempt, and you can very much see that with the eye test watching this offense.
0: Of their games, John, I'll, I'll throw another stat back at you. That's a, that's a great one you had there. Of their... Uh, they're six and seven right now, so that's thirteen games. Of their thirteen games, I'm counting eleven times that they have scored twenty-one points or fewer. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not. That is also not indicative of a Tom Brady offense, a Tom Brady-led team, and/or this Buccaneers high-powered offense that we saw over the past couple of years. Whether that's Gronk, whether that's Brady, whether you know, it's a myriad of factors. Um, that is. Just, I just looking at the scores, and only once have they even gotten up to thirty-one points. Um, and I know thirty-one points isn't always the easiest to achieve in the NFL, but and the thirty-one points was a loss. <laughs> so um, you know, I I just look at that the the points that they're scoring or not scoring. The Panthers twenty-one to three, beating the Rams sixteen to thirteen losing to the browns 23-17 you look at some of these numbers, you know barely beating the saints the the other monday night 17 to 16 um scoring 7 points last week against the 49ers this is just not what i recognize with brady and and what i've seen from him
1: yeah, they're 0-3 against AFC North teams this year. They lost to the Steelers by two. They lost to the Ravens by five. They lost to the Browns in overtime by six. So I don't know if that's a trend for them losing by more than six to the Bengals. And the Bengals have also beaten every other NFC South team this year. So it's 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 been weird because when they signed Julio Jones and you know they brought back uh, Ryan Jensen, it seemed like, oh, they're going to run it back again. And, all oh, this is unfair. They have too many people. And it's just completely falling apart. And... I know a lot of jokes have been made at Brady's expense for the year that he's had, which has definitely been more interesting than most, but yeah, it, it's almost like, why is he even out there? Like I guess he could still play better than most quarterbacks or at least some quarterbacks, but it, it does seem like this is kind of reaching an end.
0: Well, I think that's a good spot to get into with um, predictions, key players, keys to the game, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I obviously the quarterbacks are going to be under, under scrutiny. And I think, you know, another place to look here, John, in terms of for the Bengals key players, I think based on what's going on with Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, I think the Trents are going to be key in this one as well. And when I look at, you know, last week and really the last handful of weeks of what's been happening on punt and kickoff returns, Trent Taylor really is someone that I've got my eye on this week because the punt returns were not great last week in terms of amount of yards. I think he was at like, had like four and a half yards or something per punt return. Um, and then of course the Bengals have picked up this terrible habit of blocking in the back and holding on, on, on kicks. So, you know, I think the Bengals will need, uh, you know, a little bit of a spark. I'm not saying necessarily a touchdown return or anything like that, but I think, you know, if they could just help the field position, situation more this week i think that's going to be a big deal be it by decent returns by taylor or not getting those poor blocks uh on the return game and then of course you know him and Irwin may need to step up a little bit on the receiving end should higgins and or boyd continue to kind of be hobbled and and maybe not even play yeah i'm
1: i feel like it's just fair at this point to kind of expect the special team deficiencies to to continue because we have no reason to believe that they're going to be fixed. Like you can put confidence in the special teams coordinator because he's got a track record, but this has been a, a reoccurring issue here for multiple weeks. Now in the season, it kind of feels like it's just something that they have to deal with. This can be going to be a thorn in their side. And it's never good to give Brady extra chances, despite everything else. Like he's thrown the ball more than any other quarterback this year. And they're going to just basically ride him until His arm falls off. For matchups, I'm still looking at the slot for both sides. Chris Godwin, I feel like he's still a really good player. He's, like, the quarterback situation is not really helping him out. But him going up against Dax Hill, I feel like Brady might have a plan for Godwin. They might utilize him more in the short areas of the field just to try to to test uh, Hill's quickness and his coverage ability in that part of the field. And on the other side, if you have Tyler Boyd coming back, playing with a bad finger, you also have Sean Murphy bunting, I think, returning... From injury, he's been their slot quarterback, so that adds another, you know, starter to that secondary, and he's been really good in defending the slide. He's their main guy there, so I think those both of those matchups are something to watch in this one. And ov- and obviously, how the Bengals replace Trey Hendrickson, like Cam Sample, Joseph Asai, I feel like both those guys are going to be rotated in pretty evenly. Maybe Sample as your base down guy in a side, basically taking all the pass rushing, obvious pass rushing snaps, have a more of an equal rotation because I don't think you can trust either one of them for 40, 50 snaps in total. But they're going up against the left tackle and Donovan Smith, who's one of the most penalized offensive linemen in general in, in, the, in the NFL right now. And he's the only guy that they had last year starting at the, at the same spot. And he might be you know, their worst offensive lineman when you look at all those other factors. So those guys winning against Donovan Smith, I think is crucial to get to Brady's blindside.
0: And then of course you've got the Bengals running backs too. Um you know the Bengals have been having some effectiveness running the football of late, be it with Samaj P. Ryan or Joe Mixon. Um Mixon had almost 7 yards per carry last week and and almost cracked 100 yards coming back. P. Ryan the previous couple of weeks has had some highlight, you know, plays through the air and on the ground with the uh the stiff arm of legend right there uh given given the business to a couple of different people. So with those two guys. And then of course, Vita Vea looking like he uh, might not be in there this week. That is a big, big area that I think is a key for this, for this team. And I I think even with Brady potentially, you know, not looking like peak Brady, um, those are the things where, you know, if you have some offensive balance and if you're not giving up massive swings of field position because of special teams penalties, not getting yards on returns or both. Those are the types of things that a guy like this takes advantage of. Um, Even at this point in his career and all of that, he's still fantastic in a lot of different ways. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where the margin of error, kind of like when you go up against a Mahomes, the margin of error is pretty slim. So when you shoot yourself in the foot in a lot of different ways, you're going to need to, you know, you're going to have to limit that. Uh, And so, you know, the Bengals are one of the least penalized teams in the league and have been so under Zach Taylor, but still that field position stuff has to has to even out when that when the defense gets a stop or whatever the case is that 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 can't happen this week.
1: For all the hype and the billing that this quarterback matchup is getting, it would just be so. It would almost be like the NFL wrote the script if it did. Came down to one of the teams making the mistake and allowing the other team to have a game-winning drive. Right, how do
0: you, how do you feel like this is going to go? Well, so there's, I, I think I'm, I'm looking at the Bucks schedule here again. And I think the one a couple of weeks ago against the saints where they came back and had that flurry uh, to win that game. I think it was that one. And then was it the Rams game as well? They kind of did a similar thing where they came back and won at the very last minute. And it was a low scoring game, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and by the way, Buddy of the show, Luke Knoll, uh, with the super chat there. Thank you so much for that. I think this is kind of an appropriate time to bring up this this question or questions uh, since we're talking about predictions and where we think the Bengals are going to go. Um, I just I, – I don't, I don't know how confident I feel in this one. You know, the Bengals are playing well. They've won five in a row. They've, they've you know, kind of been keeping in the confines of being at home the past few weeks – um, and, and or n- not traveling so much over the past handful of weeks, and that's hel- helped them. So, I, you know, I, you know, I'd like to think that the Bengals win this game because they are the better team, but I do see the injuries, and I, I, I will pick the Bengals to win this game. But as Luke asks, with four games left, which ones do you see the Bengals dropping? A nine game win streak to finish the year is unlikely, obviously, re- referencing the, um, a potential playoff run and Super Bowl win. So, I mean, I, I think the Bengals, this one, it could be tricky, even though Tampa Bay is not looking like it did a couple of years ago. Brady's not looking like it did a couple of years ago. I don't like Brady coming off a loss. I don't like it being on the road. I don't like the Buccaneers kind of feeling like their backs are against the wall a little bit, and they got their heads beat in last week against the 49ers. So I think the Bengals win, but this could be one to Luke's question here. Uh, that the Bengals drop. And then, of course, he also asked, where do babies come from? Uh, a, a bird called a stork, Luke, g- brings a baby to... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to answer that second one. You can, You're you can. you on the right that.
1: track. I mean, that's what I learned.
0: <laughs> Good to hear from you, Luke. you got to be on the program again, too, bud. Yeah,
1: Luke, I feel like... I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I think a loss comes within the next two weeks. This is a week to week league, and for that reason, it's like winning streaks and are it. it, It's weird to look at like oh like it's not possible that they can win nine in a row. Like yeah, I understand the the statistics in that, but like teams don't look at it like that. They just look at things on on a weekly basis, and the good teams do that. They just go a week at a time, and looking at the next two weeks, like I, I. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but I look at the Patriots and that duo at edge, and I feel like that will give the Bengals some issues. And for all the reasons that you stated with this game, I feel like it's going to be a lot closer than some people think. I I don't think the Bucks are truly 28 points worse than the San Francisco 49ers. I think the Bucks were a horrendous matchup for them, bad matchup, yeah, week, yeah. Like there's so much, the 49ers are so much more athletic than the Bucks are right now, and they just took everything horizontally just like they did against the Bengals a few years ago. I don't think the Bucks are as bad as they were this past week and I feel like that will be reflected in this game. So, I don't know, like I I I do sense that some something's going to slip up in, within the next couple weeks and I wouldn't be surprised if it is this week despite the injuries that the Bucks have because the Bengals have equally as detrimental injuries of their own. So, Honestly, I I could, I could flip a coin and I could go with either one. Mm-hmm. I'll just say, Bucks twenty, Bengals seventeen. I don't know.
0: Uh, here's the one thing that kind of contradicts what I said and a little bit of what you just said in terms of pull. You know how this game could go, will go, whatever. Joe Burrow has thrown nine interceptions this year, John. All nine of those interceptions have been against AFC North teams. He has not thrown an interception against anyone else outside of the division um, and, and has played pretty much, I, I think he maybe had a lost fumble against the Cowboys. But, I mean, you see the four picks against the Steelers. You got the one against the Ravens in the, in the first one there, the one against the Browns in the first one there, two more against the Steelers in the, in the rematch, and then one more against the Browns this last week. So when it comes to teams who are not familiar with him, and this is a team that is not familiar with him really at all, it's not like they played last year or anything like that. Uh, Burrow carves them up. So, you know, that is a factor to I, I think we should also consider in this one, too, that uh, not only just against the NFC South this year, but against teams who are not familiar with him on a year to year basis. Uh, he has been carving them up this year.
1: Yeah. And I think Burrow plays fine in this game. It's just a matter of like how the how the Bucks' offense can rebound from that. Mm-hmm from that performance last week because the Bucks, if they're smart, they don't run the ball at all against the Bengals. It's just stupid at this point to run against the Bengals, and they're just not very good at it in general. So it's going to come down to how can Brady take advantage of two rookie cornerbacks with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, probably going to up against both of those rookies. I'm not entirely sure how they're going to handle either Taylor Britt or Apple going up against Mike Evans, but I, I just feel like they're going to have more success on offense, and it's just a matter of if, if Burrow can match it up.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll say again, I'll say the Bengals win, but I actually think this could be something that because of the injuries and because of uh you know, a lot of different things, I think that this could this could resemble that 41-31 type of score uh between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers that that those two teams had earlier this year. I mean, I I I think this could be a a high-scoring type of game. I'll say Bengals 38, Buccaneers 34. Um, would not be surprised if this is one of those ones that the Bengals do drop, though, just because of the injuries and all kinds of situations. The Robo Buck on YouTube with the line of the night, San Frans win over the Bucks was pretty shocking. Like that one, that was that was nice there. All right, John, let's start getting on out of here. We've got we got to a lot here. We're gonna try and arrange potentially for the listeners. Uh, a preview for tomorrow. We're, we've had to reschedule Mike Golick. You've seen that probably on our YouTube channel. We've talked about it. We've had to reschedule Mike Golick. Um, he's going to be on the show in uh, after the holiday here. He's got a lot of stuff going on, so we're gonna we're gonna have him on though. But um, definitely working with his camp to reschedule that one. But in that in that vein, John, we've got a lot going on this week. But uh, what are your final thoughts as we drop the mic and get on out of here? Well, you
1: said 38-34, to right, for a score prediction? Or, like, a a potential one? That would almost match what it was four years ago when the duo of James Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick came to what formerly known as Paul Brown Stadium and lost to the Bengals before the Bengals, I think, lost, like, nine of the last ten games. So it is typically interesting when the Bengals play teams that they haven't played before. And, yeah, it should be another interesting one today. I don't have any other final thoughts other than I got my trace amigos sweatshirt that you can get uh on ace boogie's site newstripecity.com and check out their interview with joe mixon i believe it's happening right now and definitely support all things Cincinnati now with uh zim unfortunately in twitter jail sorry zim
0: yeah i wonder wonder when he's getting out of that um so uh, you know kind of a random i i guess I, I i might maybe i'll start using the the drop the mic as kind of a random thought type of thing sometimes but one of the things i was thinking about is you know last year if you remember john the Bengals' mic cart was kind of this rallying yeah. symbol right uh what would be the symbol this year um i, I mean i know that was kind of a uh whatever you would call it a, a kitsch thing or whatever that that you know kind of just got a lot of run I I'm kind of number one the mic cart doesn't seem to exist anymore or it's not just part of the deal anymore but what what, I've been racking my brain like what would kind of be a thing that we could rally around this year like we did with the mic cart last year
1: I'm probably gonna think of an answer after the show because I can't think of it on the spot I, I would suppose it's it's just another saying that's kind of morphed into our, into their identity. Mark Duffner with his high pitched voice. They yeah. got to play yeah. us, yeah. which I guess yeah. I guess is the rallying <laughs> cry. Like you know, the Mike Carr was it was I think a multi layered like symbol. Like yeah, the Bengals they're quote unquote cheap and they kind of you know take shortcuts and whatnot, but it's. Like it's just things that they kind of embrace and that's kind of morphs into their identity. And now instead of, you know, it is us or why not us? It's they got to play us. And I feel like that's been the thing that's really pushed them forward here in this five game win streak.
0: I like that. Yeah. I just kind of racked my brain. I guess I was just, what you know, what's a physical symbol, but I guess, you know, that, that rally cry maybe is uh, as good as, as good as any um as a potential I don't want to I don't want to say replacement for the mic cart because you cannot pl- replace the Bengals mic cart but um maybe a placeholder for this year but I was thinking about the old mic cart I, I miss it I miss it a little bit um Same. maybe maybe it'll be something different when the Bengals make the postseason that's going to do it for us we're going to get on out of here go check out the T Higgins interview that we have up on all the platforms um also Bengal Jim had Kay Adams on his show uh two nights ago last night yeah so check that one out too that's a good one and um we'll be back for more and we'll break down this game afterward thanks everybody for tuning in john thank you and i look forward to talking to you again soon but see you guys